We need a lot of help right now in the renewable energy sector, whether your interest is policy, whether it's engineering, deal-making, there's a lot of opportunity. And I can't really say that enough. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangen, so let's get into it. I would like to welcome our guest, David Magid from YSG Solar. YSG Solar is based in New York. We're actually in their beautiful offices here in New York City. They started off as a residential solar company in the New York area, but they now also do commercial industrial. They also do utility scale projects, not just in the New York area. They're also involved in storage. David and I have known each other for seven or eight years when we both first started our company. And it's great because he's the founder of YSG Solar. He worked at two other solar companies before that, and we've become friends as well. And David, if you could talk a little bit about your story, how you started the company, your path to where you are. I know you initially started YSG as an energy efficiency company and then transitioned to solar. So thank you, David. I'm honored to have you on the show. Benoit, thank you so much. This is great. It really is just the fact that we've been able to stay in touch you know, all this time and you know, even just discussing a little, a few moments ago, you know, the fact that we were able to connect years ago when we were both starting our organizations and we're still here today, today. <laughs> which is huge. Uh, Definitely. You know, the fact of how many businesses go, the ups and downs and the way that, you know, our industry, you know, is structured as a whole. So I think there's something to say with that, which is great. It's crazy. They say 33% of the businesses fail in three years. Five years, it's more than 50%. And, and obviously, we've been able to test the sands of time. And it's amazing. It's also amazing for me to see when you first started your company and we met at that event in Brooklyn in Acre and to kind of see the progress. It's really exciting for me and to see what you've been able to accomplish over that time. So. Trust me, it's it's completely mutual. I think that's the best item is being able to see another individual that you know grow and be able to grow with others you know, in the industry as a whole. Going back to the to my history, you know, personally in the renewable energy sector and energy efficiency, I would say it's 2007 at that time, you know, I was going into college and I've always been passionate about business and always loved, regardless of what it is, always loved technology and was always involved with starting different entities. I would imagine you're probably the same way. Is that right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm always, <laughs> I'm really into technology, really looking into innovation, into trends. And that's actually what got me into solar about 10 years ago or 11 years ago, because I saw that the cost of panels were going to decrease substantially. The capacity factors were going to increase substantially. Solar is a very scalable model and it's renewable, which I'm passionate about. So I know you have similar views when we talk yeah, about Yeah, 100%. That. My track record goes back to starting you know, my first organization when I was probably 12 years old, a web hosting company. Oh, you wow. know, started computer programming at a young age. Somehow got pivoted away from that, just being a young man, <laughs> just like anything else. <laughs> you know, hard to hard to stay in the straight and narrow. So it's been really uh, really exciting. I would say back in 2007, you know, I had one a good friend of mine always pass around business ideas, and we started talking about solar energy, and it just sounded so simple to me, and it sounded like a concept where there was just everyone won. It was able to create jobs, create opportunities, create clean energy. It came from the sun. And I was just thinking how a lot of people think now, and I could see it in other people's eyes. They're just like, 
why isn't everyone doing solar energy? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, there's so many things that flow through my mind as yeah. soon as somebody says that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it was an exciting time. And back in 2007, the, the amount of solar companies, there was not very many at all. Sure. And it was really a closed door. So looking for opportunities in the solar industry was quite difficult. And at that time, I relocated to upstate New York over in western New York in the Buffalo region was really thankfully enough reading the paper in the morning you know as a young college student came across an ad company was advertising solar gave them a call went in for an interview they basically told me we don't have a solar company we're just looking to do solar brought me in to start a solar company for them oh wow they were doing energy efficiency so energy auditing demand side management which was great because that was something that I knew nothing about mm -hmm. so at the same time I was able to really learn the whole energy aspect of it, you be able to leverage a lot of the resources, you know, of this existing functioning company and learn solar and learn it from the grounds up because they basically were, gave me a very nice platform and said, here are the resources, go start a solar company. <laughs> Definitely. And that's amazing because a lot of people actually start their business that way. And that's great. Like from a young age, you know, graduating from school, getting this opportunity to basically start a business from scratch with their resources and their expertise. And it sounded like basically you took that and then started. Your well, the funniest company. part about it was actually during that time I was in school, I was a freshman in college yes. you know, at that time period. Wow. As you can imagine, I was waking up really early in the morning, sure. doing my work, going to classes, then coming back to the office, going through my calls and figuring out the solar industry, the residential solar industry from the bottom up, going through my calls, identifying, emailing, prospecting customers, being able to get contract signs. At this time, solar was $10 a watt. Wow. <laughs> there was no, there wasn't really financing options available. So there's a lot of cash deals. Yeah. And just to give an idea today, like residential systems probably go between three to three fifty per watt. Is that compared to ten? So you're talking about I'm trying to get to three fifty watt on the residential oh, okay. side, yeah. So it's even some of the prices have gotten beaten up even lower. Yeah. And it's extremely it's a very competitive landscape, which is is great because I think it really brings out the innovation in, in an industry when you have that. So if you talk about like three fifty four dollars a watt versus ten dollars a watt, I mean that's a huge differential over time that the cost of solar has gone down, which is amazing. And part of the reason why you're seeing like the exponential growth in the industry. Yeah, it actually is absolutely nuts. Yeah. It's in 10 year period, that price difference and the innovation of financing products and the growth of jobs within that time span is, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And the amount of effort that's put in to stimulate for all of the consumers, both on that residential front today, it's amazing to see. It sure. really is, you know, that evolution. So I was... Very thankful to, to be a part of it and you know be involved at the time that I was and to be able to learn the industry from the ins and the outs, everything from doing the sales, dealing with the utilities, yeah. obtaining the permits to physically getting on the roof and installing the first system I sold. <laughs> <laughs> how, that's an amazing story. Like, How did you get comfortable with basically at your prior company, you also did installation as so well? So I did. So they didn't have anything on had nothing set up for solar. Yeah. So my first few calls talking about solar were literally learning as I go. Sure. Had a few customers who are actually electrical engineers who I was pitching for solar. 
ended up teaching me a thing or two, yeah. <laughs> which was quite interesting. And I still you know, remember some of the lessons that I've learned sure. at that time period. And after constantly trying and trying and going through the motions, I was able to understand different aspects, what to do, what not to do. Then it came down to, great, I sold a project. What do I do next? Now I need to figure out how to get approval from the electric company, get a building permit. Definitely. What are all the pieces of the puzzles? Now how am I going to construct this system? Yeah. I was able to connect with an amazing electrician at the time who pretty much brought me to a electrical wholesale house, sure. set me up with tools, got on a job site, started bending pipe, yeah. connecting electrical wires when I did not have that type of experience in the past sure. and mounting solar panels on a roof. <laughs> wow, that's that's an amazing experience. So, so you really, being a freshman in college, like you were involved in all the different processes of starting a new business. How long were you at that company? Did you work at another company sure. before that, before you started your own company? Or kind of like, what's the progression? Because that's amazing that you were on roofs and actually yeah, doing, so that was, putting panels. And that was from 2008 to I, probably around 2009 sure. in that period. And after that experience, it was just, it was wonderful. It had a lot of success in the Western New York area, in the solar industry, learned a, a tremendous amount. I really saw a lot of growth, you know, the solar industry as a whole. At that time, we had, was that section 1603 grant? Sure, the There's cash grant. The cash grant. cash grant. They had the American Recovery time. Reinvestment Act. Yeah. So it was a really interesting time. There were so many opportunities out there. And I just remember that feeling, and I still get that all the time, even today. That there's so much opportunity out there. I just got to keep going and you know, keep exploring to be able to really achieve what's needed. Definitely. That's exciting. And then when did you start YSG Solar? By the way, congratulations on being Forbes 30 under 30 for energy, right? Specifically, right? Yeah, thank you so much. That's amazing. Honestly, I was very grateful and you know humbled to be able to be listed you know within that. And uh, yeah, it was just... Really exciting you yeah. know, opportunities. I, I certainly appreciate that. So at YSG, you know, we started out in 2010, had relocated from Western New York, was going to school. And at that point, I pretty much, you know, I'm more of a hands-on learner. So I really kind of had enough of sitting in a classroom. I felt uh -huh. like I actually learned a lot more working for Husco at Buffalo sure. you know, working in the energy efficiency industry and basically starting a solar company for yeah. them. I learned a lot more than sitting in that classroom. Definitely. So I ended up just making that decision just to step away from, you know, a structured learning environment. Sure. And relocated back to the greater Long Island area. That's where I'm from, born and raised. And was able to just, I want to start a solar company. Definitely. Yeah, I, want to, I want to do this. I know that I've, I've seen, I've done this before. Yeah. I'd like to do this. This is my hometown. Yeah, I want to do it within the greater New York area. Sure. And at that point, you know, YSG was officially established. Thought process at the time was I learned about energy efficiency, renewable energy. Let's bring them both. And at the time I started out, which is somewhat crazy, started out doing energy audits, energy efficiency, geothermal installations, and solar wow. energy. So it was a combination of all these items and yeah, starting a business was, was certainly really interesting. And at the time, it was absolutely nuts. Yeah. You know, I had drilling rigs, drilling 500 feet into the ground, doing yeah. geothermal and going to another job site, sure. putting solar panels on the roof, then another property doing energy efficiency improvements, insulation, heating equipment. So it was 
just the various you know amounts of items, which was really great. And then what made you uh, focus on solar as time went on compared to the other things? Because I remember us talking about you doing geothermal, which I thought was pretty amazing. And also, what... <laughs> <laughs> actually, I also have another question too. I mean, from a very young age, like what gave you the confidence to start your own business? So I guess there's two questions, like why did you focus on solar, but then also what gave you the confidence to start your own business? I've loved sales. I loved business from a young age. I can remember just as, you know, as a little kid in elementary school, selling pogs, selling yo-yos, you know, whatever the fad was at the time, you know, I just always loved the concept of being able to multiply whatever you have and be able to grow. And really it was never about something tangible and having a lot doesn't really mean too much. I just love the fact that you're able to see something grow. It's correlated very similar to like if you're playing a video game, you see points going on the board. Everyone (laughs) likes to see points going on the board. So it's always nice to be able to see that. So that's that's one of the reasons I've just always been fascinated with the world of business. Definitely. I think looking at that and looking at the fact of really have been a firm believer if you put your mind to something, you do something long enough, you'll figure it out. I, I think people... You know, don't give themselves enough credit. And I think it's really all about persistence. You know, if you're persistent enough and you want to figure it out, you will. And um, the resources are there. Yeah, definitely. Why did YSG focus on solar more over time than the other energy efficiency, geothermal, energy audits? So that's a great question. <laughs> I was actually talking about this the pivot. last week, that pivot. Yes. The pivot is certainly something that it's so critical with any business, not just renewable energy, any business, you'll always see some sort of pivot. And our pivot came probably, we started in 2010. We started moving exclusively to, to solar energy in 2014. So you can see there's a four-year time span when we were juggling a lot. That pivot was not necessarily an easy item to see because we were doing well in the energy efficiency space. We were making money, we had a really good team, and we had a solid process. So you're thinking from a business standpoint, if you're doing well at something, why stop it? You know, sure. Why cut the head off the snake and why just why don't you keep doing with what you're doing if you're making money, if customers are happy, and you have a really solid team? So that really came to light when just the amount of time and resources yeah. that are you know, involved, just like anything else, there's so many different ways, so many opportunities out there. And it's really important to figure out what's going to be most effective for you, for your customers, and for everyone involved and get you to where you want to be. And I remember it pretty clearly. It was actually at the New York Solar Summit, which is an event that I'd love to go to each year. It's just something that really just, it brings it back and just gives me that inspiration again. And I just remember being at that event and just thinking in my head, I need to dedicate the resources and time into doing exactly staying within the solar industry. Made that pivot and it's been great. It really has. Going back to another topic that you talked about, which is very important, is sales. What advice do you have for someone to improve on their sales skills? If people don't know what I feel like, Everyone's selling, even if they're not in a sales position, you're always selling. I've experienced Dave's pretty sophisticated and a great salesman and definitely one of the many great qualities that you have. I'm also always trying to learn and improve. What suggestions do you have about 
how to be a good salesperson. I certainly appreciate that, Benoit. I really do. And I'm always learning as well. I think there's so many different flavors of a salesman and be able to sell something at the same time. Nobody wants to be sold. Nobody wants to have that feeling of, I just got sold. Definitely. It's just not a good feeling after. <laughs> so it's like, I always looked at it as you're establishing a relationship. Definitely. People know, hey, I'm going to work with Dave because I know he's going to take care of me. I know he's got me. Whatever happens, yeah. I'm going to be taken care of You know, because that's what he does. He's sure. a man of his word and he'll be able to take care of it. When it comes to sales aspects, the way I've always broken it down to is, you have the one aspect of getting yourself in the door, which is the prospecting aspect of it, which in my mind, prospecting is certainly difficult. You know, you may not have an in with that party, but always establishing a mutual connection is, is definitely a nice part. A lot of times I've never really had that luxury. So be able to just pick up the phone, cold call, cold email, whatever it is, be persistent, don't stop, constantly keep going at it. And if you're not getting the response, change it up, try something new, go through the motions and stay organized. I've loved that, you know, just be able to have your CRM set up, your calendar events nonstop, you know, and, you know, weekly reminders. So pops up, send an email call, you know, talk to people for prospected for two years. You know, at that point, (laughs) they're just, they know me already. They say, Dave, I'm not going to work with anyone else. You know, I'm not working right now. And for me, it's just the effort that it requires just a phone call and email very casual throughout the day. It doesn't take up too much time. And I've seen a lot of success with that and building those relationships. Then obviously, once you have that relationship, I think it's mostly about cultivating it, making sure that you're transparent in all of your your business dealings and that you're able to really provide the best possible service that you can and treat your customers, like they say, exactly how you want to be treated and treat every single project like it's your first project that you're dealing with and show it the respect that that you deserve. People see it. People realize it. I think it's a really powerful thing. Really, I think it's important uh, cultivating that relationship and the client looking at you as someone that they could trust and do business with and that you're going to add value, which I think, and you talked about transparency as well earlier, which is huge. And this is kind of similar but different. Like, Also, what tips do you have for people looking to start a business or being an entrepreneur? (laughs) (laughs) So certainly good luck. At the same time, (laughs) if I knew everything about starting a business at the point that I started a business, would I have started it? I don't know. Yeah, I agree with it. That's a a challenging question to answer (laughs) just because there's certainly a lot involved. But I think that's probably the best part. That's why you start a business because you don't have any idea how to start it. One of the biggest items that if I were to go back and adjust is the amount of time that I've allocated towards planning items. I think it can be curtailed to the point of being able to just do, understand, don't need to plan every single detail. You don't need to plan everything out. But really having that strategy is more on a framework of how are you going to react to different scenarios because things are very fluid. It's constantly changing and adjusting. So you can't walk into something or plan something out and have these sophisticated business plans. You know, pick up the phone, test the waters, you know, try things out, whatever you want to do, and learn as you go instead of just 
spending all this time. Oh, I need to do a business plan. Oh, yeah, I need definitely. to do a PowerPoint. And this. It's like, it's crazy. It's such a waste of time. It is because as you know, you're constantly adapting. I don't know if you ever heard of like the lean startup model by Steve Blank, I think is the person's name, but that's basically what you just outlined is basically the framework. Of That's amazing. No, business. I definitely so, want to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Can you talk about residential solar? Why should customers go solar? Obviously, for the environmental purposes of it. Obviously, now in, in certain states, there's also electricity savings that they could get from that. Can you talk about what do you say to the customer as far as why they should go solar? Sure. And why now? So residential customers should be making the move towards solar as our whole industry moves away from natural gas, unpredictable energy expenditures. Independence is a big item that goes through my mind. Some people focus on what percentage of my bill can I offset with a solar system. Some people look at the savings. What the value proposition for me personally, I really love the independence fact. I think that's something that a lot of people don't quantify right away is how can I be independent, not rely on a utility to provide my power. Sure. One thing that I enjoy with David is he really gets into the policy. <laughs> <laughs> and different states will bounce off ideas, especially because why she does a lot of business in New York. Can you talk briefly about the New York uh, solar market and about Veter? I read the interesting post that you wrote about the Veter calculation and, and the different incentive structures, I guess briefly, yeah, because obviously sure. our audience is not as sophisticated. No, certainly. And just to kind of, at a high level, what we're talking about, what Benoit and I are speaking about is a new mechanism for the way that you're compensated for the electricity that's generated from solar power. And in New York, it's called Veter. So The value of distributed energy resources, what Veter is basically the acronym for. Sorry. Yes, no, exactly. So I would say, I mean, there's very aggressive goals within New York State, extremely aggressive storage goals as well, which is, uh, <laughs> it, it's quite amazing. And, you know, we applaud you know, all these goals. We love goals. I think probably one of the biggest items that we need is a clear pathway to get to those goals. There's a lot of barriers, you know, that are put in place. And in the New York industry as a whole, needs a tremendous amount of help to remove these barriers because we're never going to get to where we need to be. One of the largest barriers I see in New York is property taxes. You know, looking at large-scale development, the way that it's set up is all of the local towns and jurisdictions have the final say on property tax. There's a certain regulation, you know, that's been put out that treats solar to be exempt from property taxes for a period of 15 years. Local towns have the opportunity to opt out of this. Currently, there's over 200 local jurisdictions that have opted out. And when they opt out of this tax exemption, the local jurisdictions can choose to assess the value of your solar facility at whatever calculation that they sure. determine. And most of these areas are not up to speed with how to evaluate and assess solar equipment because it's not a building. It doesn't require all the same utilities. So I think that's one of the biggest issues that does not get talked about enough Definitely. in New York State. That's great. I mean, that's huge. I know it's always tough to kind of estimate if there's going to be an expense, what's that going to be? And it's all over the place. So that's a great point. We talked about how you guys are moving. You do 
also commercial industrial utility scale development. What states have you been focused on or, or what markets do you like to focus on based on your experience and capability? Yeah, sure. And so, what do you feel comfortable telling us as well? So. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been operating in the California market, Rhode Island, Massachusetts is a great market as well. So I would say within all of these areas, big item that we look at is first thing that we'll identify you know, the interconnection queues, you know, see what projects are moving, also identify what projects you know have been installed. And then also do our research on the property taxes, you know, what the local laws are, what the local zoning and permitting process is for these solar facilities. And that's probably one of the initial steps that we look at when really understanding a market. So starting from that, then also looking at the local tariffs and the policies, understanding the electric rates and really looking if it's going to be a viable opportunity for renewable energy. One state, you know, we've actually jumped in working, which is not quite as popular, but we've been doing a good amount of work in Ohio, which is uh, certainly quite interesting working in that market. Definitely. Just the fact that the SREC prices there are extremely low. Yes, so sir. it's something that we don't even, it's not even really being factored or plays a big part into the project at all. The SREC is a solar renewable energy credit. Ohio is interesting too, because there's not many natural buyers. It's not as liquid as maybe some of the other abstract markets, but we're actually as well seeing actually more development in Ohio. I was actually in Ohio last week meeting with clients. And How was it? <laughs> <laughs> Good. It was, it, you know, I think Ohio is definitely more challenging of a market because, sure. you know, the electricity costs aren't as high as like the Northeast right. and the incentives aren't. But in the right situation, I think there's definitely a lot of opportunities. And I'm seeing a lot more development opportunities in Ohio, people trying to develop projects so, and CNI, commercial industrial as well. Yeah, we've looked at a few CNI opportunities out there. There was a few municipal RFPs that have been released and we were running the numbers and it's just, it's extremely challenging. You know, they're looking, the local governments are looking for clean energy. They're looking for power purchase agreements, but the way that everything pencils out, they're not going to see it right now. So they need to step up. You know, there needs to be that incentive to drive the market until it could stand on its own. I think that from what I can see, some of the developments going on in Ohio, maybe what you were looking at as well was perhaps some of the larger projects in the PJM territory. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think there's opportunity there into selling into the PJM market, which is pretty liquid and doing some sort of energy hedge with the, you know, an energy company or bank or some sort of corporate PPA because PGM tends to be the most liquid market. So you see uh, more of those sort of offsite energy hedges happening. But I think also it's about building relationships and it takes time, at least for me. Like I don't want to go into markets that are already very saturated. Right. So building that relationship before that market, because we know at the end of the day, eventually all 50 states are going to be once we reach a certain cost and at near grid parity without incentives or with incentives, because a lot of states as well passing new incentives and having like 100% renewable energy goals like California, right. New York, New Jersey. So, No, I completely agree with you. I mean, we've recently entered into the ERCOT market over in Texas. So that's been quite exciting. And it's certainly a crowded space. Definitely. But we, we still see a lot of value you know, that can be extracted there. And just, you know, the future of electricity generation and 
being able to see that combination of wind, solar, storage, combining all these efforts, you start to see the conventional power plant facility when you really combine all these technologies together. And it's certainly really exciting. It really is. Definitely. What trends are you seeing in solar? Like what are three major trends maybe from your perspective that you see that you think are going to be pretty significant going forward into the future? So corporate offtakes, you know, virtual power purchase agreements have certainly been huge. The quantity just keeps increasing and the corporates getting involved is growing at an extreme pace. That's an exciting space, you know, that we have actually been eyeing. One of the other aspects of it as well is working with portfolio owners and properties that are looking to reduce expenditures and that are in the business of maintaining costs and reducing them and have the necessary real estate to facilitate solar equipment. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of opportunity wide open One of the other areas that really excites me as well is the electric vehicle market. That is something that we really need. Utilities need it, and they're they're pushing for it as well. You see it constantly, and it's going around globally. You know, with markets in India and China, we need electric vehicles. A couple years ago, if you asked me, are EVs going to be there? I don't know if I would have told you, but now I can confidently say that is where we're going. And we're moving towards a model where vehicles are being used as a service and they're going to be electric. As we look at the quantity of of energy, people are using less energy. I don't know if you're noticing the same thing. So it's like, we need this. Yeah, I think it'll be huge, obviously. And that goes into storage as well. Obviously, Tesla built the Gigafactory. And then we're seeing, at least we're seeing lithium-ion prices for batteries going down substantially. We still believe it's still high, but right. it's going to start making more sense three to five years from now with solar plus storage, which is another big thing. I know that you know, you're know you working on it and looking at the different policies and incentive structures that are out there for storage. Yeah, some of the first projects, kind of going back to our discussion earlier, some of the first projects I did were actually storage projects. Wow. So back in 2007, 2008, we were, doing, yeah, we were doing battery storage units, the Outback inverter systems. Sure. And that's how I got into the solar industry is the people that were willing to pay $60,000, dollars for a solar system and batteries were the people who didn't want to run, pay the utility to run a power line all the way to their property. Definitely. So uh, that gave us a really you know, good sense of, of energy storage early on. In the residential front, we've been doing a lot of batteries. And throughout, you know, we have been doing it. It's a luxury item, you know, certainly. So we have not really jumped into the economics, you know, battery storage at the moment. Uh-huh. There's certainly, in my opinion, I would say that there's a tremendous value of behind the meter, you know, storage. And I just think of that ecosystem of being able to have all of these battery storage units be able to operate within sync and Benoit, you and I sitting in the control room, literally hitting but- <laughs> literally hitting buttons, you know, and the utility saying, give us congestion relief right yeah. now. And we just like literally hit a button, hit the red button, and all these batteries just get dispatched, dispatched on. Yeah. And um, it's just an amazing thing. We need some voltage. You know? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's just amazing, you know, what can get done. And it requires scale. You know, we're talking about the electricity you know, industry 
where to be able to make sense, it's going to require a scale. So I think there's there's a lot of work that needs to get done. The huge part of it, as you mentioned, is really it's going to be software. And I've been seeing things about AI as well in the future because there's so many usages that you could have with batteries, demand charge reduction, ancillary services, battery backup. And there's other things as well, which are a lot more complicated than solar that I think you're going to need like sophisticated software platforms that will have to know what the grid is looking for and then dispatch immediately to meet the needs. Yeah, I certainly agree with you and see a lot of value in what those organizations are doing and be able to stack all these different products within and really see the value of storage for what it actually is. Storage is is what we've been reading and studying about for years and it's finally coming to it. So it's a really exciting time. Definitely. And we're near the end of the interview. What suggestions do you have for anyone getting in the solar industry who's like maybe experienced or just graduated from school and really want to get into it? I would say go into various different roles. Understand there's so many places to, you know, and and roles to fulfill. We need a lot of help right now in the energy sector, in the renewable energy sector, whether your interest is policy, whether it's engineering, whether it's deal making, there's a lot to get done. And there's a lot of opportunity. I can't really say that enough. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I mean, like, we're going under an energy revolution with renewables and everything else. That's just really exciting time and with technology. And so I believe just like you, and you mentioned very clearly that the sky is the limit for the opportunity. The last question that I have is what books would you suggest to read? If you're someone looking to be an entrepreneur or maybe into solar or into sales. It's interesting because I don't know if you have the time because I feel like you're always reading all the policy. You know, it's interesting because I've never really seen like a CEO or founder of a company read as much policy or get into the policy that David does usually. (laughs) They're they're just skimming through it or have someone else more junior, but David really gets into it. And, And I miss those emails that you send me on Saturday morning about, hey, did you see this Vitor thing or some other? It would be interesting to you know get any book recommendation. No, I appreciate that. I mean, the policies are definitely huge. I love following dockets, you know, all the different public service commissions, You know, be able to stay right on the edge and know exactly what's going on, be able to see the comments, understand what other stakeholders, you know, utilities, you know, generating facilities, what everyone is, is talking about. And people have a really clear understanding of what's coming ahead because we're moving at such a fast pace that we need to we need to study this market or else we'll get eaten up. So I think that's really important. And when it comes to reading, I certainly love reading, especially in the last you know couple years. So traded my Spotify for Audible. (laughs) You know, so like literally, you see me on the subway, I'm listening to a book. And, uh, you know, in the evening, you know, I have uh, the book I'm reading right now is How to Make It in America. It's a biography on uh, Rocky Aoki. So, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely nothing energy related, but uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with his life. I but, am, actually. It's funny because I've read some things. You know, Rocky Aoki actually started Benihana. And he was like also an athlete before. And then his son Daredevil. is Daredevil. Daredevil. <laughs> that's it. And his son is Steve Aoki, the famous DJ. So I've yeah. read. And, you know, I'm always actually interested in reading biographies of very successful people and how, because he came pretty much to the U- United States without nothing and was be able to create an empire and, and really like a restaurant business in Hibachi, which wasn't yes. there at, at the time. 
So uh, yeah, it was see. huge, and I just love. I'm gonna that. put that on my Audible, by the way. So you thank you. Definitely should. Awesome book. I just love the fact of that that immigrant story. My mother was an immigrant, you know, so I feel that, and I'm I love from immigrant parents. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's it's such a huge thing to say, and there's that drive, and just always want to be able to remember that the fact of the opportunity and everything that can get done here, and I think um, stories like that are huge. And you're able to receive that immigrant lifestyle. And I, I love that. Me too as well. And you could learn from everyone and everything. And he had an amazing story. You know, David, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. It was an amazing interview. It's interesting because I think the way David differentiates is, I mean, he's probably one of the hardest workers in the room. He's humble. He's constantly hustling and really gets into the details. I think talking about the policy and how this industry is really changing so quickly, you have to be ahead the curve of your competition or your business is not going to be successful. So I see that all the time where you're really trying to figure out what's the next great best market or best thing for your business. So thank you. No, but no, I honestly thank you. This has been great. Hope everyone listening, be sure that you stay listening. There's a lot of good stuff ahead. Benoit is doing some amazing things and some show off some really good discussions in the near future. Thank you so much for your time. This is a great discussion. You know, hopefully we can do this again you know, really soon. Definitely. And if the listeners that we call Mavericks, because it's the Solar Maverick podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lee Wang, my marketing ex-guru. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me. I'm not even going to lie. I'm horrible with my LinkedIn, with my social media. I've got to step up my game. But yeah, I mean, perhaps all the you know standard you know social platforms. Go to our website, whysheshold.com, and um, message me on LinkedIn. You know, send an email, something along those lines. So definitely. Well, well, thank you again, David, and look forward to having you on the podcast real soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Benoit. And uh, yeah, cool. (laughs) Over and out. Thank you. Ciao. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community. And that's what we're all about right now. Building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. Thank you.